and welcome back to another episode of Code with Kingy, where we are previewing the first All Blacks test for 2021, that being this weekend against Tonga at Mount Smart Stadium. A bit of a change, you know, typically a league stadium, home of the Warriors. But yeah, the All Blacks looking to spice things up to start off the 21st year of the current century. Um, and helping me do so is the ever-reliable uh, Martin King, aka my dad. Kia ora, dad. How you been? I'm good. Well, before we jump into the All Black stuff, even though there isn't a lot to talk about, it's, you know, it's been a minute before we've, um, or between drinks in terms of talking about footy. So, I mean, we can brush over the Super Rugby Aotearoa, but I'm guessing, you know, from the last chat that we've had, you know, just in our own private conversations, you know, I got a bit of a gist of what you thought of it. But Super Rugby Trans Tasman, did you get, you know, to watching most of it or any of it? Oh, uh... If I was being honest, I'd sort of watch about. I'd, I'd be lucky if I could get through about half a game, and I just honestly, it was just so uninspiring. the The quality of the Aussie sides was just terrible, and it was just. It sort of, I guess, made you take for granted how good the quality was when the New Zealand teams were playing each other because. I mean, for those Aussie teams to win just two out of 25, I mean, that just sort of pretty much sums it up. You know, I mean, there so... were a couple of close calls, but yeah, I, I do have to agree with you. Like from the games that I watched and I didn't watch, you know, I, I think I'd be lucky if I watched one or two games a weekend. You know, I, I, I typically stayed around for the Hurricanes games, but the other ones, not so much. Typically the ones over Australia as well. I just couldn't be bothered staying up that late for not very close rugby games, but yeah, it was just, you couldn't even point to one side of the ball. It was the Australians couldn't really score points against the Kiwis and they sucked at tackling as well. And I think you hit the nail on the head in that. I think as Kiwi fans, we probably took for granted just how polished all five of our super teams are. Um, And then, yeah, come the end of the competition, you know, the Blues got their title that they've been waiting, what, close to two decades for. And even though I didn't really think it's, an actual trophy. Um, I mean, but you know, take it as you will. But yeah, yeah. I mean, like even even the talk about you know the All Black coaches saying that they were even looking at guys over the course of Super Rugby Trans Tasman. I mean, like what you can't really take a lot from them. What was it? Five six games. For you me, couldn't personally, take anything I, I, from it. I, I thought that I thought the All Black team was picked before that competition even started. What about you? No, that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I, I guess it was a bit of a joke to say that the Blues with best team because that was all decided basically on bonus points, and bonus points, points you know? So it was just like the fact that only two New Zealand teams lost out of, you know, out of 25 games. And so it was just a matter of like, well, yeah, well, the blues just happened to get, so it's like, yeah. So one loss was for the hurricanes, one loss for the chiefs, but I, I honestly believe, and I mean, I think in a funny sort of way, the Crusaders would be kicking themselves because if the Crusaders had been in that final, they definitely would have won that game. I don't care what anyone says, but you can't tell me that the Blues are better than the Crusaders. You know? So I just I just thought it was, uh, to be honest, that final, it was a, I thought 
the Highlanders made it a really, really good game because uh, they they probably should have got buried earlier in that game, but they defended so well and the Blues just, they almost buckled. You know, they almost buckled. Whereas I don't think they would have been able to do that against the Crusaders. But that's just my take on it. I think that was probably just the the story of the the Highlanders' season, really, just them battling away. And I mean, they got to that final um, virtue of a of a pretty epic game. I, I did watch the game against the Brumbies, which they needed to win with the bonus point. And then, of course, um, the Crusaders didn't win their game um, with a bonus point. And then the week before, where they led in that try at the last minute to the force, which again spelled the end of them reaching what would have been like their hundredth final, or what's felt like their hundredth final. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the Blues, I guess they, they they do have a trophy in their cabinet now. And like you said, I think they were lucky. I think that last 15 minutes, I think if Harry Plummer hadn't kicked that goal, I think the Highlanders probably would have hung on. But all of a sudden, you know, you get the crowd into it um, and then they get that try. And then unfortunately, Mitch Hunt misses that, that drop goal to potentially give the Highlanders a chance at taking away the silverware. But I mean, that competition's over and done with. Um, and moving on to the All Black squad, which was named last Monday. I mean, I thought that the squad was pretty straightforward, but there were a couple of new additions, two of which I probably didn't see coming, that being Ethan DeGroote and Quintu Pyre. Were they surprises for you as well? Not DeGroote. He was... I think the only reason why you might have thought DeGroote wouldn't have was just because of his age. Um, but well, I that and think... Alex Hodgman was an All Black last year. Yeah, true. That's true. But it just sort of shows that, obviously, they, they probably maybe see him as... A, with a bit of potential. The Quintupire was the one that got me. I was like, okay. And I, I, I actually wonder whether there was an element of there might have been the heads up for injuries and stuff like that. So like with especially you know with Anton Leonard Brown and his was it his elbow? And um so they thought, okay, that might have been a last minute we need to sort of chuck someone else in. Um because he was always with the he was already with the Māori team. And the funny thing with that is that, like, he was the only one in that Māori side that got picked for the All Blacks. So I actually wonder whether that, that was a bit of a, a last-minute call, maybe based around injuries, because, yeah, it just seemed weird that only one guy, because if you potentially, like, sort of picked uh, a New Zealand Māori squad, you know, in theory, you really should have, to, um, I guess, not to basically the cat out of the bag, but you probably maybe would have maybe put more, you know, guys that were sort of borderline all blacks or all blacks like in that Māori squad just to sort of, and then they get pulled out. Does that make sense? Because I, I just yeah. thought it was weird. Because you would have thought when they picked that Māori squad, it's just like, okay, so whoever's missing and who's Māori and is that all black contention, they're more than likely to get picked. You know, like your Aaron Smiths and your Rico Ioannis and stuff like that. Yeah, but he sort of came out of the, yeah, he sort of came out of the blue. But, I don't know, someone liked him. Putting that uh, to the I side, think... though, I mean, I mean, I have my own opinions. Sorry to cut you off. I have my own opinions about Tupire, and I think he's a player with a lot of promise. But for me, as I've harped on about for anyone who's followed this podcast, you know, midfield is as sexy as it is to be cutting the ball up and making breaks. Defensively, if you can't tackle in the midfield, I mean, you're leaving your, your, your team um, on a hiding to nothing. So... Again, maybe this is like similar to DeGroote. It's just um, an investment 
uh, on the All Blacks part to get them in the environment, get them knowing their systems and perhaps upskill them on the defensive side of the ball where I think the, the bulk of his weaknesses are as a player. But yeah, I, I just I, I didn't see that pick coming and I would have thought they'd maybe go for an extra outside back considering, you know, Riku Iwani can cover the midfield or, you know, they, they seem to have quite a few utilities, you know, within that midfield and outside back grouping that, yeah, a, a specialist centre idea. I mean, again, yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe they did want a specialist centre and that was why they picked them. I don't know. I think that's sort of... Um, I think basically with the injury to Leonard Brown and then they lost Braden Enor and then with Lau Marpi. But Braden, no, Braden Enor was only... Uh, he only came up with that whole appendicitis thing after the All Blacks got picked. So that, oh, that really? Had, yeah, oh, okay. yeah that, that had no or had no influence on the team that was picked okay. last Monday. I, I just think that the selectors have basically created a problem for themselves um, by not um, giving Lau Marpi another go. So now they, they're actually quite exposed at second five now. And I don't even know whether Leonard Brown was going to be second five for the All Blacks. Maybe he was going to be centre again. But So it just sort of looks like they're sort of looking okay for centre. But by default... But I still think he was probably the the form second five of the competition. Is that like they're going with Harvili more than likely, who I rate, I've always rated. Um, but he's never played Test rugby as a midfield back. So the few games he's played for the All Blacks, he was like a winger or a fullback. And um, I think fortunately because they don't, they're playing Tonga and Fiji, I don't think it's going to have much of a uh, won't be much of a problem there, but once you hit, you know, probably more the spring box, maybe not even so much the Aussies or the Argies, but once they hit the spring box, I think that that could be a potential uh, banana skin for them, I think. Well, unless they, un- 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 unless, they, unless they just say, well, fuck it, Leonard Brown's playing 12, you know what I mean? Because I think that's sort of a little, because I mean, at least they've got Rico Ioane to play centre. Because honestly, they they just thin on the ground with um, second fives. Although I reckon Harvey would do a good job, to be honest. I honestly do. I was just going to raise the point. It it makes you think how early that Laumapi French deal was actually completed. Because Jack Goodhue got injured, I think at about the halfway point of Super Rugby Aotearoa. So. Either Lau Marpi was saying tight-lipped on the whole thing, or maybe even after that, the All Blacks. You know, you'd, you'd, you'd think that Lau Marpi's value would have just shot up after seeing Jack Kudo go down. But you know, in the case that it didn't, you know, maybe they are putting a lot of faith into David Heavily being their twelve or being a player that can play twelve, and that he just gives them an extra option there if they instead of looking to wait for Jack Kudu to come back, um, which won't be until next year, or they shift Anton and Brown back to 12. It, 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 I guess that's going to be the interesting call. That's Well, that's one of the, my talking points going into this weekend, um, the midfield combination being one of them, the loose forward trio, and then the fullback. So for you, from the players they have available, and I mean, like the All Blacks are going to play their strongest team that they possibly could um, with it being their first test of the year. But yeah, for you, I think the other positions pick themselves, but 6, 7, 8, 12, 13, and 15, who gets first crack? Uh, so 12, th- what'd you say, 12, 13, and 15? Mm-hmm. Um, Havili, 
Ioane and I think they'll go Geordie Barrett because I've got a feeling they might uh, chuck Will Jordan on the wing. That's my pick for the Lucys. Is Severe fit or not? I'm not too sure. I, I, I've heard mixed things. I mean, like I've seen the photos of him in training, but as to, I mean, that was the same with Shannon Frizzell, though. I mean, like he missed the, the Trans Tasman final, has been picked yeah. in the team, but I don't know how far he's come with his rehab. Yeah. But I mean, yes, so we, say, say they could, though. Say they could. Say, okay, you know, then I'd, I would probably go, well, I think on form, Dalton Papali'i. Um, at six? No, at seven. Or at seven. Okay. At seven. If Sevilla's not fit, then Hoskins Satutu at eight. But if, if Sevilla's fit, then they'll go with him. And then six, I think, just to start things off, I think they'll go with Frizzell. Because it's a it's, it's 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 a first up, and also he'd be playing against his countrymen, so they might want to do that, give him a, a little bit of extra motivation to play against um, his Tongan brethren. Yeah. Interesting. Me personally, I thought again, I think they'll go with similar to you. I think they'll go with Frizzell at six, give him um, another opportunity there. But seven and eight, I would have gone the other way around. I would have picked Severe at seven and Satuta at eight. But is your reasoning for playing Papali'i at seven and Sevilla at eight on form? Or is it because you think that they want Sevilla to play more of eight, waiting for Sam Kane to come back and take that seven jersey? Yeah, I think you'd probably have to do a bit of mind reading, but I still think um, Sevilla is the best number. I think number eight is Sevilla's best position, yep. Yep, I I honestly do. Um, do you think? And I, but but I mean, like for me, I think Satutu is a better player than Papali'i. I think he has more to offer. I think when you look at that four pack, I mean, I like having as much X factor um, in that team. And that's not to say that Satutu doesn't get in and do the hard yards, but yeah, as much as Dotson Papali'i has come along during the season, and I mean, he's a bigger body and he gets over the ball well, as well as carrying hard. I don't know. I just I like. <laughs> I like Satutu more. I see him more as a as a more worthwhile investment. And I think that Papali'i also gives you that utility cover on the bench. I don't know. That's a, that's just my thoughts. Um, but I can definitely I, get where you're coming from. Yeah, but I think on form, as much as I didn't really rate him, for some reason, I think Papali'i's best position is actually open side. I, I'd be much say, actually, he's pretty good open side he's 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 a, he's a bit more of that um almost like that old school like uh before um McCaw's game sort of evolved into a bit, bit more of a running game probably he's very very strong over the ball which is sort of something probably because previously he hadn't really been playing open side but once he got that open side role I think he's just distinguished himself really really well and I, no, I just look just my, my personal opinion is that um Sevilla's best position is number eight, and also with him on the side, I mean, you're basically you're going to you got to be able to you'll be able to be able to attack the breakdown a bit more with him there. So it's, you're sort of almost playing with two open sides, if that makes sense. Um, I, th- I think the I think I think the easy choice would be to put Sevilla at seven, but I think we need to develop a backup seven for Sam Kane because I think 
I, I think Sevilla needs to specialise. I honestly think he needs to specialise at eight. And that we know he can cover seven. Like, you know, he's good enough to play seven, but that's just my take on it anyway. Fair call. Um, 12 and 13 for me, similar to you, or exact same as you, sorry. I think they're going to go Havili and Iwani. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about whether Iwani is worth plying away with at 13. There are a lot of people out there who think of him more so as a winger. And, I mean, if you look at the bulk of his tape from 2021, I mean, it's hard to disagree. In the big games where Iwani's needed to play like a centre, he's actually resorted to his wing tendencies. But, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty stubborn on this, and I think you are as well. I just think that when you look at the, the talent pool that we have available at the moment for the All Blacks, he is the only one that can really make something out of nothing in that midfield. And I mean, like you talk about, if we don't have the greatest stocks at 12, maybe we need to keep giving Iwani time at 13 so that it doesn't really matter who plays 12. As long as the 12 can tackle, you just leave Iwani to do the rest. I think with Iwani, I think he, this is where potentially I think Leonard Brown might end up being second five by default if Iwani's the centre. So I think we may have talked about this previously, but just talking about with a midfield combination, normally one's a ball player and the other one's a runner. So if, if your runner is Iwani, then your ball player needs to be whoever's at second five. And more than likely that would be Leonard Brown. He's probably the best ball, ball player, ball distributor. So it's like, so if you remember when Conrad Smith and Nonu played together, um, obviously Nonu had a pass game, but he's sort of like his, his strength was basically he was a ball runner, whereas Conrad Smith, he was a ball player. And so I think if you are, if they're going to stick with the Ioni at centre, then they need a ball player. And if the guy, midfielders that are available, I think your best bet would be Leonard Brown. But I don't know whether the All Blacks want him at centre or want him at second five. That's, that's going to be the million-dollar question. Because was he playing 12 or 13? 12 or 13. He's playing 13 for the Chiefs, eh? Correct. Because they, they, they swapped him in, in Quinton Pye around, eh? Because he got exposed on D. On D. So, that's mm-hmm. t- so, so, so that's your issue. So your issue is, is that basically they he was playing centre for the Chiefs and yet he could end up playing second five for the All Blacks. And I just, it's, it's purely that combination thing. You know, it's that, that's normally how you get the balance right. You can't have two distributors and you can't have two runners in the midfield because you, you don't get that balance right so um yeah but again that's you know that's what the all blacks it depends what the all blacks want from leonard brown yeah i can't say i disagree with anything you said the only thing i want to throw in there had in been healthy where does he come to the fold for you Oh, no, I rate him. I rate him highly because he's got that outside break. But I think with his outside break, I think he still has the ability to distribute better than Ioane. Because I, I think I think, I think think he, he comes across more as a centre that can play wing, whereas I think Ioane is a wing that can play centre. Um, so, but um, unfortunately with him, he's just had injuries, you know, so that hasn't helped. But no, I'm, I'm a big fan of... Braden Eno, but yeah, 
again, I'm a big as you know, as I said, I'm a big fan of Arvilla. I I'd really like for them to say, right, we're going to give this guy a decent crack because I reckon he will have a lot to offer. Yep. Um, but you'll wrap that up there again. Fullback for me, I think Jordy Barry gets the first crack um, with Bowden uh, on the bench. But yeah, I mean, is there anything oh, else? So me- you, you're not starting Bowden at ten. Well, no, I haven't seen enough of him, and I think Richie Wong has done a good enough job. So I'm just I'm I'm just surprised that you've surrendered the number ten jersey already. That's so I'm I, I'm a little bit surprised, but that's cool. I'm just a realist, mate. I'm just a realist. Oh, but, um, I mean, yeah, I, my last question for you, bro, was just, is there anything else you're looking for from the All Blacks this week? I mean, I don't want to be too disrespectful to Tonga, but the TAB's paying $101 for them to win, and you can't even put money on the All Blacks to win this game. So, I I, I would like to see, I, I'd just like to see them to be ruthless. So, I, I reckon that if they won by 50 points... I don't think that I, I could sort of – I don't think a 50-point win would be a convincing result, if you know what I mean. So, like, like the halfback talking teams, they've, like, picked guys out of club rugby or out of, you know, it's, 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 it's not the strongest Tongan side, you know, for guys can't, you know, get out of here because, you know, they're overseas and stuff like that. So – I just want to see the All Blacks just be clinical and not basically show any mercy. You know, that that's what I want to see in them is just, is just actually don't look at this as like, oh, it's just a practice game. It's like, no, no, just be brutal with these guys because last year they weren't, you know, and I think it cost them that they, they end up losing games that really – they shouldn't have lost just based on the fact that it's just like they, 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 that, that intimidation factor, they lost that big time last year. I mean, yeah, they were a bit vulnerable after the, you know, the semi-final loss, but I actually think they went backwards last year. You know, I just want to see them to be, you know, clinical and just show no mercy. Yeah, well, for me, I think that's a reflection of the head coach. But again, he's got another year <laughs> up until the uh, he's got till the end of this year to prove me wrong, um, improve the New Zealand Rugby Union, right? But yeah, we'll wrap that up there, Dad. Um, again, appreciate your time, and I'll get in touch with you Sunday to record, hopefully, a ruthless All Blacks performance. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. All right, I love you and leave you, man. Thank you. Okay, hate the wipe.